Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the lead pastor, and um, I'm just honored that you would spend an hour of your, your Sunday just coming to hang out with us. And um, man, we are in a series called I Declare War. And uh, last week was the first week of it. If you missed it, um, it's okay. You do not have to know what we said last week to get what we're going to say this week. Um, But the reason why we're in this series called I Declare War is because how many of you know that life isn't a playground, but a battleground? And there are some things in life that in order to be who God's called us to be, and in order to do what he's called us to do, there are some things that we need to declare war on. And so last week we talked about how we need to declare war on our past and that if you don't let your past die, it's not gonna let you live. And this week, I wanna talk to you about something I think that we all deal with, and I think we need to declare war on. And so that's called comparison. So if you're taking notes and you wanna write down the title, the title of the message today is Comparing Cards. Comparing Cards. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you look good. Come on, turn to your second choice and say, but I look better. There we go. Well, I want to talk to you about comparison today because it's an issue that we all have, right? We all tend to compare our lives uh, to each other. And, and really, comparison is subjective, though. And uh, what I mean is that there are just some things that it's okay to compare, right? Like, like a couple of products. So we're just going to have some fun really quick. I need some interaction. I want to wake you up. Um, but I just want to compare some products that have been compared for years now. And the first one is this one. Coca-Cola versus Pepsi. Where's all my Coca-Cola people at? There we go. Where's my Pepsi people at? You're left out. Come on. Uh, (laughs) All right, second one. Let's see. What we got next? Krispy Kreme. Come on. Or Dunkin' Donuts. Some things are just better. If you don't like Krispy Kreme over Dunkin' Donuts, go after the service, get you a hot Krispy Kreme, and enjoy it. All right, second thing. Here we go. iOS. Where's my iOS people? Where's my Android people? Eh, I don't know. I'm judging you. Okay. This is for all of my, uh, especially all my 90s girls. How about this one? NSYNC. Come on, our Backstreet Boys. Yeah, bye, 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 right? (laughs) All right, man, it's my favorite. Chick-fil-A or Popeyes? Who's got Chick-fil-A? It's anointed, it's anointed, it's anointed. Who's got Popeyes? Anybody brave enough? Nobody. Amen. You're my people. Welcome to Renovation Church. Here's the last one, right? Amazon or anybody. Who, who loves Amazon? That's right. Come on. It don't matter who you put them against. They always win. You can order whatever you want. You can order, you can order a spouse on there. I'm kidding. Don't. Um, right? But comparing products is, is, can be fun, um, but comparing people isn't. Right? Comparing products is, is cool, but comparing people isn't. Matter of fact, comparing people can be pretty destructive. And this issue of comparison isn't a new one, is it? Right? Like for, for thousands of years, people have have been caught in this comparison trap. And so from the very beginning of the time in the book of Genesis, we we read about a story of of two brothers named Cain and Abel, right? And Cain is jealous of his brother Abel because for some reason he just feels like that Abel has God's favor on his life. And some of you know what that's like, right? Like there's some of you who when you look around and you're on Instagram or you're in your family, you just, there's people around you that you just feel like, man, they... They just seem to have God's favor on their life, and everything all the time is going right for them, and at the same time, everything is going wrong for me, right? There's another story in Scripture 
um, about a man named Jacob and Esau, right? And, and Jacob is jealous of Esau because Esau is his dad's favorite. And so I mean, you know what that's like. Maybe you grew up with siblings and it always seemed like your parent just loved one of your siblings just a little bit more than you. And it's haunted you. There's another story of some brothers of Jacob. And his brothers were so jealous of him and they hated him. Not just because um, of the, he had the father's favor, but because Jacob had these amazing visions and dreams for his life. So much so they were so jealous, they threw him into prison and into a pit. And, and some of you know what that's like. Right? Like, it's not just that maybe, you know, your parent loved a sibling more than you, but maybe there's people in your world where they just have these visions and they have these dreams for their life and they know their purpose and you're stuck and going, I have no idea why I'm even here. And there's this story of these two sisters, right, named Rachel and Leah. And Leah is jealous of her little sister, Rachel, because she's prettier than her. And she feels like she's not valuable and has no worth. And if we're honest, we deal with that too. Not just ladies, men too. Right where we feel like we're less than and that we're valuable, invaluable. And we look around and we feel like people are more attractive to, than us. So we feel like we got to dress ourselves. Meaning. See, this comparison issue is it's not a new one. And we all do it. And we can see how destructive it will be and so if we know that it's wrong, then why do we do it? Because we do, don't we? And you know, just real practical, you know what one of the, th- one of the reasons why I think that we have a hard time with comparison? is because from a very young age, you were taught to compare. Think about it. From the very beginning, like when you started school, your teachers would compare your grades to the other kids' grades to let people know how you were doing, right? Or maybe you played a sport. And your coach would compare your performance versus another player's performance. And whoever outperformed the other one got on the field. Right? You, you, maybe you was a parent. Maybe you had siblings. And they compared your sibling's success to your success. And you always felt like you had to measure up to them and do what they do in order to get your parents to love and to see you too. And see, this has kind of just trickled on throughout life. Now you have a boss. Most of you. And some of you are bosses. Come on. But some of you have a boss. And your boss compares your performance and your numbers to the cubicle over from you. And so we get in this comparison trap where now we're looking down the street and we're comparing our home with their home, our kids with their kids, our spouse with their spouse. And it's a comparison trap. And Andy Stanley says it like this, that we live in the land of Ur. We live in the land of Ur. And so we're constantly measuring who we are to everyone else. And we wonder... I want to be smarter or prettier or faster or wiser or better, right? We live in this land of er. And honestly, for some of you, it's like, listen, I don't, I don't really struggle with trying to be better than everybody else. I want to be best. The reality is now is we live in a culture of est where it's like I'm not content with just being better than the person next to me. I want to be the best in the world. And so comparison is this trap that we all fall into. And so today I want to pick a fight with comparison. And here's the deal. Some of us think that comparison is a stuff issue. That's what some of you think. 
that if you had what they had, or you had the house they had, or you had the car they had, or you had the spouse they had, like then, then you would be, then you'd be happy. So we think comparison's a stuff issue, but it's not. And then other times we think that, well, comparison, if it's not a stuff issue, it must be a people issue. It's all of those people, right? It's all of those uh, rich people. It's all of the the fit people with their weird food and no weird diets, right? It's all of those people. And so it's not a, it's not a stuff issue, and comparison isn't a, a people issue. And really the, today, probably what gets most credit for all of it, for comparison to most, is social media, right? It's, oh, it's, a, it's an Instagram issue. It's a Facebook, Facebook issue, right? They're the devil, you know? Well, the reality is, is they're not the devil. There's many of you that are in this room because of Facebook and Instagram. So let me just stop and say this. The, the, the deal is with Instagram or Facebook is that it was never meant and it shouldn't be used as a measurement tool, right? Because how many of you know that like what you see on Facebook or what you see on Instagram is what everybody else wants you to see? And there's a reality that's happening on Instagram that's not reality off of it. It's a highlight reel. So just be careful comparing who you are to who they are based on their highlight reel and comparing it to your rough draft. So here's the deal. It's not a stuff issue. And it's not a people issue. And it's not a social media issue. It's a spiritual issue. Comparison is a spiritual issue. See, the Bible defines comparison. It refers to it as envy. And the way that it's expressed is through coveting. Right? The 10th commandment in Exodus chapter 20 says this, and you, you probably heard this, you must not cover your neighbor's house. You must not cover your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. See, comparison is a spiritual issue. And there's something, there's, there's something deep inside of us. There's this deep insecurity that is rooted down in us that causes us to look to the left or look to the right and envy or covet what other people have. It's a spiritual issue. And so today, I want to pick a fight with comparison because if you don't kill comparison, comparison will kill you. And I know that sounds harsh, but the truth is, is it may not kill you physically, but it'll kill your joy. And it'll kill your peace. And it'll kill your relationships. It'll kill anything good going on in your life. It will rob it from you. Am I wrong? Talk to me. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to take a look at two stories because comparison, there's something going on beneath the surface. Envy starts somewhere. And so I want to take a look at two stories in Scripture. And the first one, it's going to be blatantly obvious on what the issue is. But the second one, you kind of got to dig a little bit. And so if you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. If you don't have your Bibles, that's totally cool. We have it available for you on the screen above my head. Starting in verse 10. If you're with me, say yeah. That wasn't good enough. Tell me, are you with me? Say, yeah. yeah. There we are. All right, here we go. Here's what it says. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this sinner, not the Pharisee, 
return home justified, made right before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So write this down. Comparison will always lead you to one or two things, and the first one is evident from this passage. It'll always lead you to pride. Comparison will always lead you to pride. Ever been around a prideful person before? No? Look next to you if you haven't. Right? Like, I, every single morning, the way it's so e- I can easily identify pride in somebody is because when I look in the mirror, it's probably the thing i got to battle the most. Because there's this tendency as a pastor and a stigma that I may come off and think like I know everything or that I'm better than the people around me. And it's this, it's this issue of pride. It's when you believe that who you are is caught up in what you do or don't do. Isn't that what he said? He's like, thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. And so here's the deal. You may never pray prayers like that to God. You may never say what he said, but you do believe what he believes. You may never say it like that, but you've thought it like that. Am I wrong? Right, because what we tend to do is we tend to cherry pick the issues we don't struggle with. And so we'll say things like this. This is how you know if there's pride involved. You'll say things, well, I mean, I may lie a little bit, but at least I don't steal. Or I may steal a little bit, but at least I don't kill. Right? And then you got the guys like, well, I may have murdered somebody, but at least I'm not Adolf Hitler. They can just go on and on and on and on. That's what, that's what pride looks like. It's going, you know, I, I, I have my issue, but at least I'm not like them. You ever thought that before? It's pride. And the second thing that comparison will lead you to is resentment. Write that down, resentment. That's where envy comes from. So now I want to take a look at Luke chapter 15. And I want to give you some context before we dive in, but we're going to get to see this rampant, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how do we actually declare war on comparison. And so Luke chapter 15, it's a story about this father, and he's got two sons. Some of you are familiar with this. You've heard it before. But there's these two sons, and the younger one goes to his dad, and he says, Dad, I know you're going to die. We're all going to die, and I know you're rich. So I want my inheritance, and I want it now, J.G. Wentworth, right? He says, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. And so what does his dad do? He gives him his portion of his inheritance. Everything his dad had worked for, for, his two, for the two brothers, he gives him his half. Can you imagine if your kid came home and said that to you? Be like, hey, Dad, uh, I know you got some money. I know you're going to die one day. Can I just have it now? You're like, what? Some of you are like, no, I can't relate to that. My parents will leave me with bills. I'm good. Stay living, (laughs) right? But it's like, can you imagine if a kid came? So he comes home and he says this to his dad. His dad gives him his money, and then he runs away. He leaves to search for whatever it is he thinks is going to fulfill him, whatever it is that he thinks is going to make him happy, because now he's got some money. You know, and of course, people with money are always happy, right? It's like he runs off, and it says in the story that he blows all of his money on partying and on prostitutes and on whatever, you know, party drugs, some shrooms, you know, maybe a little weed or something. He blows it all. And then he finds himself broke. He blew it all. He finds himself in shame and in guilt. And he's starving because he just blew everything his dad gave him. So it says that he was so hungry 
And there was so much just guilt and shame on him that he was about to start eating with the pigs. And then it says something interesting. It says that he came to himself. And he said, maybe, maybe if I went home and I begged my dad to let me come back, maybe he'll let me be a servant. Maybe, he'll, maybe if, if I just muster up a, a good enough apology, maybe even though I've blown all my dad's money, maybe if I just come home, he, he won't necessarily make me a son, but like, he'll make me a servant. And so I can work for my dad because it's got to be better than this. And the truth is, y'all, is that some of you felt that way too. Maybe your parents didn't give you a bunch of money. Maybe they did. They can give me some if they like. But you know what it's like to run to something thinking it's going to satisfy you and then you're left empty and broke. You, you probably have experienced what it's like to let down your parents. You felt the guilt and you felt the shame and then you just start to wonder and believe like, will they even still care? Will they accept me? Will they love me? And so it says that he, he comes back and as he's coming back, carrying this guilt, carrying this shame, it says that the father sees him in a distance. And it's this picture of this old man. He gets off the porch and he picks up his turban. He picks up his robe and he starts sprinting towards his son. And he, before his son can even get a word out, he wraps him up in his arms. And he says, he says, son, you're home. I love you. Quick, get his robe. He's back in the family. Get a ring. He's got authority back. Go get him some J's. Put him on his feet, right? Like he says, DJ, hit the music. We're doing the electric slide today. He's like, go get Bessie. We're eating filet mignon. And so he throws this amazing party because his son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 15. Starting in verse 25, it says this. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Now watch what he does. It says that the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But then he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, that's when you know you're mad. It ain't even my brother no more. It's this son of yours. This son of yours comes home after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the calf. Like that was my calf. You know, that was Bessie. I fed her every day. I want to eat. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so maybe as I shared the story of the younger brother, that wasn't you. But the reality is that this might represent you, right? You ever had something happen to somebody good in your life and you're like, they don't deserve that. I deserve it. 
I've done everything right. Maybe you, weren't the, maybe you weren't the child. Maybe you weren't the person. That's not your story, that you ran away and you blew all your money and you got into all this stuff and wild living and you feel like, man, you don't, you don't have a testimony. And, and so you just get frustrated when you see churches and you see pastors and you see people celebrating these amazing conversion stories. And you're like, I mean, what about me? I've done everything right. I went to church my whole life. I got saved when I was seven. I ain't never even had a sip of alcohol, much less get drunk on it. I've done everything the way I'm supposed to be done. It's not fair. Here's what you need to understand, that grace isn't fair. Grace is favor. That by definition, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace isn't something that you can earn. It's something that you freely receive. And see, there's this lie deep down inside of you and inside of me that for some reason we believe that our worth is attached to our works. Isn't that what he believed? That his father's relationship with him was based upon his performance for him. And let me just say that to somebody in the room. Listen, God doesn't love you based upon what you can do for him. He loves you because of who he is. That we don't have to live for the approval of God. We live from the approval of God. So you, you can't prove yourself enough. You can't perform yourself enough to make God love you. He always has and he always will despite what you do or don't do. And it's this lie deep down inside of all of us that causes us to envy and compare with the people around us. And so in this story, as we see comparison rampant, it kills some things or it has the potential to. And if you're not careful, comparison will kill your community. Write that down. Comparison kills community. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the relationships closest to you, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a close friend. Comparison will kill it. It'll, it'll keep you from being in fellowship. It'll keep you from being connected to the other person. Because now you're constantly competing against them. And so it will, it will kill your community. And here's the thing. The devil, his job is to come to kill, steal, and destroy. And the best way he can come kill, steal, and destroy you is to cut your connection with your community. And to leave you isolated. And he does it every single day by comparison. You know, a couple weeks ago when we had our grand opening um, man, I was, I was fired up. We saw over 400-something people come, and people were giving their life to Christ and getting baptized. And, and I'll just be honest, right? Like, I, um, you know, it, it, it was awesome. We, we celebrated it. We threw a party over it, right? And I remember that night, like, just seeing people's comments and the encouraging text messages and the phone calls I got, which if you did that, by the way, thank you. That was, it was awesome. It was encouraging to me. But I remember waking up the next morning, and uh, my alarm went off, and the first thing I did was I grabbed my alarm, I turned it off, and then I opened Instagram. And, of course, after I read the whole New Testament. Give me a break, okay? But I'm kidding. So I, uh, I start scrolling through Instagram, and, and what was a celebration, what I was really excited about the most, right? I, I start scrolling, and I see that, man, my buddy, they baptized more people than I had attend. And a little bit of joy went out of me that, in that moment. And I kept scrolling, and I'm... 
I'm seeing, and, and, and here's the deal. Like, I, I love the building. I love the space that God's provided for us. I love the team that's helped us renovate this entire thing, and, and we're proud of, of, of where we're at and where God's taken us. And then all of a sudden, I scroll down, and I see a guy who was given a church for $5 million and holds four times the amount of people as this. Ever been there? Where you're just like, you're having the best day in the world, and you wake up, and you pull out your phone, and you start scrolling, and all of a sudden, like the people that are your friends that are closest to you, you begin to compare your reality with theirs, and all of a sudden, your joy leaves. It's the reason why you'll scroll on hours of Facebook and Instagram, and when you get off of it, you never feel good. So if you're not careful, comparison will kill your community. And the second one is this. Comparison will kill the celebration. It'll kill the party. Will it not? In this moment, you got a brother outside angry, and his dad's like, come on, come in. Like, come celebrate your brother. He's like, no, uh-uh. I ain't, I ain't, coming, to, I ain't coming to do that. And so if you want to kill comparison so it doesn't kill you, here would be my first piece of advice. This is what the scripture teaches us. To choose admiration over envy. Write that down. To choose admiration over envy. Now, there's a very, very thin line between the two. There's a very thin line of admiration and envy because what you admire about someone and what you envy about someone both reveal what you value, what you deem important. And so when I say to choose admiration over envy, see, here's the deal. The difference between the two is admiration actually has the potential to lead to something good. Envy never does. That envy will lead to bitterness, but admiration will make you better. That envy will lead to bitterness, and admiration can make you better. So maybe the next time you're caught in this comparison trap, whether you're on Instagram or at a family function or look across the street at your neighbor's house that's got all their Christmas decorations up already and you feel behind, or you think they're crazy. I'm crazy. We got Christmas decorations up. But the next time, you, the next time you're tempted to begin to compare your life, choose admiration. And here's just some practical ways on how to do that. Maybe ask yourself, um, what do I admire about them? What do I admire about them? And then ask yourself this question. It's a deeper one. Why do I admire it? Like, am I believing a lie that if I had what they have, that I would somehow be satisfied? And then here's the third question I would say. How did they get to where they're at so that I can learn from it too? Do you see the difference in envy and admiration? Envy is wanting what they had because you think it's going to give you something that you need. Admiration is learning from what other people have done so that you can actually grow and learn. You follow me? And so I just want to encourage you to choose admiration over envy. And the second one is this. Don't, if, if, if comparison will kill a celebration... Um, don't be a party pooper. You wouldn't have thought you heard that in church today, would you? <laughs> like, learn to celebrate the good that's happening around you. I am so tired of every time I have a conversation, it's something competing, right? I mean, it's all the time. If something happens to somebody good, and then somebody's mad at them because it happened to something good, and you got to feel like you one-up them, like you got to prove yourself, you know? Did you know this? Um, that until you stop proving yourself, you'll never be yourself. That's good. 
Until you stop proving yourself, you'll never be yourself. And so instead of, I got some, sorry, it's okay. Hey, y'all give it up for the sound today. Come on, somebody. Let's go. It's a church plant. Welcome. Um, we're still figuring it out. So here's the deal. Like, in, instead of celebrating other people's victories, I'm always focused on my losses. And, and so what you got to decide, like, listen, you don't have anything to prove. And the moment you can realize that you don't have anything to prove, that you don't have to one-up somebody, you'll actually be the person God's called you to be. That you don't got nothing to prove. And so when you see something good happening in other people's lives, throw a party. Celebrate it. It's hard to envy people you're encouraging all the time. Pray for them. And not like, a, like one of them jealous prayers, you know, like, oh, I'm going to pray for them. Not that kind of prayer. The prayer that genuinely is like, the people you're praying for, it's hard to envy people you're praying for. It's hard to, when you're encouraging people and you're celebrating them and you're throwing a party, it's going to be way more difficult for you to walk away and talk bad about them behind their back. So throw a party. And then the last thing that comparison will kill, and we're closing, it'll kill your contentment. Comparison will kill your contentment. It'll kill who you think you are. And it'll get your eyes off of who you are and what you have and put them on who you're not and what you don't have. And you'll constantly be searching for more. And see, in this story, isn't this what happens? Like the son, he says to his dad, he's like, Dad, I've done everything that you told me to do. And you ain't done nothing for me. And then the father says this. He says, son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is already yours. So let's throw a party for your brother. Did you know that God has given you everything you need to live the life he's called you to live? That you don't need anything else. That you don't have to prove anything. it's this lie that we believe where he feels like who I am is based upon what I do and that I deserve it and that, Dad, you love me based upon what I can do for you and you shouldn't love him as much because of what he didn't do for you. And so today, I just want to free you. Like, God loves you for who you are that he designed you uniquely you, that he took his time on you. Do you realize that's what comparison is? Comparison is undermining the creativity of God. That it's undermining the creativity of the creator because essentially, you may never say this, but essentially what you're saying when you compare is God, I don't like the product you made for them because mine's better. Or, That's pride. Or, God, I don't like who you made me to be. I wish you would have made me like them. And so what you're doing by comparing your life is you are undercutting, you are undermining God's creativity. There's a reason why no one else in this entire world is exactly like you. They may favor you. They may look like you, but they're not you. That's why you got your own fingerprint. Because God designed you uniquely as a reflection of himself with a purpose that is uniquely yours. 
There are no second-class callings. That's the other thing we tend to compare, right? We look to the left and look to the right, and we think, hey, if I could just do what they did, then I would be happy. It's the same issue. That if you want to experience fruitfulness in life, it starts with faithfulness now. So don't look at everybody else's fruit that you see and forget that that fruit had to be pruned. That fruit had to be toiled. That fruit had to have a seed planted somewhere under the soil. And so if you want to do and live the way God has called you to live, be faithful in this season so you can see the fruit in the next one. Amen? It's this comparison trap. And so I want to challenge you today to declare war on it. I want to challenge you to declare war on envy, to declare war on your pride, to declare war on comparison, and believe that God has made you who he has made you, not by accident, but on purpose and for purpose. That you are loved by him, that it's not about what you can do or not do. That regardless if you ran away and blew all the money or you stayed home and did everything right, his love never changes for you. And so let me ask you this. Who in your life are you having a hard time celebrating? Like who in your life, who do you compare yourself to a lot? Who is it just difficult for you to, to really celebrate? This week, I just I want to encourage you to celebrate them. And, and I want to encourage you to express gratitude for what God has given you rather than focusing on what he hasn't. Aren't y'all glad for our kids' ministry? Aren't they having fun? Come on. Hey, I'm okay with it. If you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. If you're not okay with it, ain't nothing we can do about it. <laughs> having fun, we believe in the next generation. And so as, uh, as, as Kyle comes up here in a second, um, when you walked in today, you had a Connect card. And, and, and here's the deal. Um, I just want to talk real practically about how you can actually declare war today and how you can take your next step. And so if you would, whether you're new or not, would you just pull out that, that Connect card for me? And on it, you're just going to see a couple decisions that you can make, a couple ways that you can declare war. And so today, maybe your step that you need to take, the thing you need to declare war on, is the belief that God loves you for something you can do for him rather than he loves you because of who he is. Maybe today for the very first time you need to make a decision, hey, I've believed my whole life that God doesn't love me because I've screwed up. Or I've believed my whole life that I had to earn my way to him rather than believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God who came to the earth and died on the cross for your sin because grace is free, not earned. Maybe your next step today is going, I- I'm done pretending, I'm done trying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. And you need to declare war on your sin and trust that it has already been defeated. Or maybe today for you, the way you need to declare war is that you need to go public with your faith. You need to declare war on feeling like I gotta hide who God's called me to be, that I have a relationship with him. I've had one for a long time, but I've been too ashamed to actually go public with it. And today is the day that I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take that next step and I'm gonna get baptized. And I'm gonna let the world know, I'm gonna declare war on my issues, on the trust that Jesus Christ paid for them on the cross. And so if that's you, I would just encourage you 
to mark that down. So for our baptism service next week, you can make that public declaration of faith. And then here's, here's the last one. Um, some of you need to get plugged into this church. I'm just going to say it like it is. Because the thing the enemy wants the most is for you to walk through this life in isolation. And so if you don't want comparison to kill your community, you better get in one. Because you need people in this life that are going to challenge you, that are going to encourage you, that are going to build your faith, that can walk alongside you. So the moment you start believing the lie again, so the moment you start feeling like you're not worthy, so the moment you start feeling like no one cares, you have some people around you that can tell you and say, listen, that's not true. That's not who you are. And so maybe today you need to decide, hey, I want to be a part of this church. I want to get involved in a group. I want to do life with some people. I actually want to use the gifts God's given me to serve him. I want, I want to join a team. I want to wave at some people in a parking lot. I want to help in kids' ministry. I want to be down there dancing because you're getting on my nerves, Cody. That's what some of y'all are thinking. But whatever your next step is today, I just want to encourage you. Like, declare war. Take this, I'm in. And one of the ways that I would love to just be able to connect with you, if that's your step, and you want to join this church, or you, you want to be a part of a community, or you want to join a team, is I just would love to invite you to come back this afternoon to our Connect Night. It's at 5 p.m. You ain't even got to sign up, though it would be helpful. And if you'd like to, little plug, click the Connect Now button on the website. Amen. So if you want to come, we would love to connect with you and just tell you a little bit more about our vision and our values. Because we really do believe that like, it's our job to help you follow Jesus and find community and discover your purpose. Because we believe that God wants to make a difference through your life. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning, God. We declare war on comparison. God, we declare war on the things that we're believing will satisfy us. God, we declare war on our envy. God, help us celebrate what you're doing around the world. Help us celebrate the move that is happening right now. God, help us celebrate Kanye West coming to Christ and dropping a gospel album. God, I just pray that you would remove this spirit of envy, remove this spirit of comparison from us so that we can live the life you've called us to live and be who you've called us to be. We declare war on comparison today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially, and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church slash give. Have a great day.